Hey everybody, it's uh, What Would The Smart Party Do? We're live broadcasting from Leicester. It's a glorious Sunday afternoon, we're at the Continuum Convention and things are just about wrapping up. So I've got my old friend Gaz with me, hello Gaz. Hello everybody, it's been a wonderful weekend, how are you got? Yeah, it's all good isn't it? I mean I think we're going to catch up and talk about some of the games we played, some of the stuff we liked, uh, some improvements for next time perhaps, and um, we've got a special guest. (laughs) And and when I say special, I mean special. One of the founding members of the Smart Party, the silent partner in this whole shebang. <laughs> he never speaks out loud, but he's always in our answers in spirit. Uh, we have Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello. <laughs> Don't be microphone shy. So, uh, Pete's been a, a long-time friend of ours, uh, oh, years and years and years, since way back in the day when we went to university to study rather than to universities to game and eat pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Pete, tell us a bit about yourself, mate. Tell the listeners, uh, what's your gaming like? Uh, what do you love? What are you not into? How's it going for you? Continuum's going really well. I like games that are more like uh, Fate, Cypher System, Savage Worlds, that kind of system, although there's a bit of difference between those three. I'm not big on high-crunch games. Not, I've never really done D&D apart from Redbox a long, long time ago. Mm. Uh, although that said, I did get into 4E. I think it's a bit different than some of the other games. but Which is pretty crunchy stuff. It is crunchy stuff, go. but it, was more, it felt more like a board game to me, so I didn't mind it. It was a different mindset for that. Mm. I know that upsets some people, but I actually quite like 4E for what it does. But mainly, Fate, Cypher System are my two favourites at the minute. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't, Well, you know, I like board games, so comparing something to a board game is hardly a slight... Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion. Yeah. And I think we've played a few board games this weekend as well, haven't we? Um, there's been plenty around. And we talked on a recent podcast about Games Expo, which was loads and loads of board games, stuff like that. Continuum, for those who don't know. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Gary, you know the history of Continuum, but you've lived a long time regular, aren't you? Where'd it come from? Yeah, it's quite storied. I think it's called Convulsion or something. Originally, it's the, uh, the mother of it from yeah. years ago, which is a little bit further away from where we are now, but it's still this kind of Leicester University holds. Mm. Very much uh, kind of Isseries, old Glorantha stuff. Um, they had Greg Stefford and Sandy Peterson, mm-hmm. those kind of guests, uh, MRB and Jeff Richard, and all that crowd that are now in charge of Cthulhu, or Chaosium basically. Uh, they were here for that, and it's been every two years since. Uh, they kind of got involved with the German convention as well, yeah. went there a lot. Uh, and it's probably about 10 years ago it became continual, I think, something mm-hmm. like that. Moved to a slightly better part of the university grounds, and it's carried on ever since. But I think they've kind of lost a little bit of that. Trying to keep it so focused on the history stuff, yeah. which was putting some people off to be honest, although others loved it. Uh, and every couple of years it runs and it's grown into a more diverse convention. I think mm. this is the most diverse set of games I've seen for it. Is it? Because there's still plenty of Cthulhu, Pendragon, and Glorantha stuff on the sign up boards. You still probably get more of that than you do at other conventions, probably. Yeah. Because there is a fan base for it. Um, but I've also seen a lot of Savage Worlds. I've seen Kingdom, which is a really indie diceless game. Uh, I've seen all kinds of different versions of Savage, or you know, Hot Wars being played, all kinds yeah. of stuff. So there's, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. In fact, last time I was here, someone was running um, like a Musketeers type game, but a Spanish one. Okay. I can't remember called it, it Captain Something or Other, and based on a set of books from the 15th century, I think. Wow. And it was written in Italian Spanish, so the guy running it had. The dog was obviously bilingual and could understand Spanish and go through it all. So it sounded cool, but 
it was, it was the only convention I've ever seen it played. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that here as well, but you will get something completely random and out of the blue. Something a bit experimental, a bit playtesty, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Okay. Uh, you also get lots of free forms at Hudson. You haven't really tried them, have we? No. Not at all. They look no. good as well. There's always a good take up here. There seems to be a bigger free form buzz here than any other place where we've done free form. Well, it's got a special name, hasn't it? Everyone else would call it LARP. But, yeah, they, yeah, but yeah. they've got freeform, which I'm sure is used in other places, but it's not common terminology. And I think there are people who come here just for the freeforms. Yeah, Probably absolutely. Probably haven't done anything else all weekend. They look like they've had a riot, to be honest. It's really weird when you step into the bar of an evening and you're surrounded by people in like 1920s dress or, or all done up like in like 1980s high school musical stuff. And they are good <laughs> costumes as they well, get, aren't they? People, people get really into oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's some effort going on. Yeah, fair play to them. But, um, but that kind of exists outside of our... That's periphery yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so we've been rolling funny shaped dice though haven't we as yeah. usual okay right so uh, let's let's give it a quick scamper through some of the games we've played Pete what you played mate what have you run this year oh, uh, I've played um, Savage Worlds Musketeers mm-hmm. which is the uh, regime diabolique yeah. by is it I can't remember it is is it tag what are they called triple A's games triple A's games yeah, yeah. Um, so I've played that I've played Feng Shui 2 yep um, I've played ooh, now was it World War Cthulhu was it just Cthulhu 7th edition or is it one in the same uh, well, well World War Cthulhu was written in 6th but there's a 7th update document for it now we were definitely playing 7th weren't we we were playing the 7th yes. some of the 7th mechanics and we were doing a World War 1 setting mm. uh, and then I've run a fake core Wild West game ok and it's all been good really yep. enjoyable yeah yeah, so that's a nice mixed up bag, isn't it? And that, that's, that sort of ties in what you were saying, Gaz. There's some Cthulhu in that schedule, but, but plenty of other stuff as well. Okay, what about you, Gaz? What have you been up to, mate? Yeah, I've played a couple of Cthulhu's. I think one of the notable things I find out about sort of Cthulhu scenarios we have here is people seem to put a lot of effort into the story. Mm-hmm. So one of them was set in the First World War around a particular um, front that, you know, a, a push for the front that occurred in 1917 outside of Ypres. And the other game was kind of a wild geese, sort of 1960s going to Africa as British pseudo-mercenaries, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And a lot of detail about that particular setting and stuff, which perhaps people don't know about, but people here when they do a Cthulhu scenario it's not just like a creaky mansion that your 1920s uncles invite you to it tends to be like something unusual and like quite a lot of the detail around that background which yeah. makes it a bit more interesting I think you get a free history lesson yeah yeah a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah. And it but, kind of but the cool history to find yeah. out what, what actually happened that sort of thing yeah, yeah played a bit of uh, Feng Shui as well um, I've run some Savage Worlds like Mark which was fine mm. if you like your old swords and sorcery right down that alley Savage is good for the pulpy stuff. Uh, played some cards, played some board games. What have you done? Bass, anything interesting? Uh, well, I was, I was a bit nervous about this con because um, I've not done much stuff at Continuum. Last time I was here was 2010, so I felt a little bit like a, a kind of returning stranger. Not a prodigal son, but just like, you know, <laughs> it, it, are my games going to go down? You always get that nervousness, right, dude? Like, is anyone going to sign up for this stuff? Yeah. Um, but with the system that was operated, you could pre-sign if you were running things. So I knew I had a few uh, really good names on my first game, which puts the pressure on in some ways. So I was running 13th Age, and I got some, you know, some some right old forum faves on there. Some people that most of our listeners might even know. We had Neil Gow, we had Jules Haley in there, Guy Milner, uh, some other new friends I made this weekend as well. And we had a cracking game, really, really good opening slot. Um, 
And I really loved that, so much so that I just kind of abandoned my plans for the Saturday evening slot, which was going to be into the odd, and picked up a second scenario for 13th age and had another run at that. So two lots of that, both went really well for me. And Sunday morning was spent playing Icons in my continuing journey to try and understand fate. Uh, I'm way too close to the event to figure out whether it worked or not. But we did have a game of superheroes this morning and Manhattan was saved from Tempest Khan and his Cronal Conquerors. So, yeah. Doing that this over the bar and finding out the fete was broken. No, we did not. <laughs> Is that not your recollection of events? Not my recollection of events. I'd already got the game organised before we discovered it was broken the day before. <laughs> I seem to think and seem to remember one or two people clearly played broken fate. <laughs> we pointed out to them that that wasn't fair but they didn't believe us no so how did your cowboy fair go because you said it was after that like mass discussion we had with about a dozen people in the bar and we'd attacked fair from all angles so on the back of that and the sort of like interrogation put on the system how did your fair game go when you ran it the next day it was more fiddly than usual uh, in a good way I think but also in a kind of a, a bit more bit more intense work for the GM mainly because two of the people around the table one of them was in the discussion with us the night before actually knew the rules like all of the rules and arguably one guy knew the rules better than me and the other guy put together he knew kind of all of the rules Um, which meant that whenever there was anything that is sometimes slightly difficult to interpret Mm. which is one of your issues I think Baz in terms of do I do it this way do I do it that way which way am I supposed to do it on the fly yeah Yeah, on the fly when everyone's waiting for you Mm. Um, it meant that that situation actually got handled I felt better than it's done before and I've run a lot of fair now at conventions because you had one or two people who you could quickly fire out the jargon to Mm. and they would go yes no or it's this but it's that but in this instance wouldn't you do that and you go quick discussion round the table and it was a case of actually yeah that's how we're going to do it and right. then that almost made it easier for me to be consistent because we'd sort of got a bit of shared buy-in about from at least some of the table who were, who were very off fair with the rules about mm. in this situation this is the kind of thing that you do and I think the fake core rules they do offer you two or three ways of interpreting stuff and I think the biggest issue that some people have is which one do I use when and where and mm. I've always found that if you use one that you're comfortable with and that your players around the table are comfortable with and then stick with that interpretation whenever possible for those kind of situations you tend to do alright arguably well and your game, game runs a lot smoother mm. I think when you start to think oh but I could do it this way I could do it as a ch- I can't remember which one it is a challenge a contest or a conflict yeah. but I could do it the one where you've got to get three successes it's like but actually I don't want to do that I can adjudicate it using the rules as written mm-hmm. I can interpret this situation a different way, which actually I find quicker and easier for the players I've got around the table. Mm. But what happened then as well, because we had those two players who knew the rules, they started to use some of the rules that newbies to the game didn't quite pick up on. Okay. So they were a bit more off-air, well, they were a lot more off-air with aspects. So when people started getting injured, and you get an aspect as part of your injury... Mm new players sort of forget that and think oh I've injured him I'll keep hitting him mm. uh, whereas players who are off air with the rules go hang on we've got a new aspect a new aspect on the scene I can use that aspect to lever a better narrative and a better outcome to put pain you know to, to stop the, the big problem which isn't necessarily defeat the baddie it's defeat the challenge mm. so I got a lot more of using the aspects and it was one of the few fate systems that I've fate sessions that I've run 
that you got enough or what I felt was enough back and forth of fake chips normally you get a lot of one way yeah. you get a lot of players spending it and then the GM thinks oh god the players haven't got anything left I need to throw them at them for mm. you know turning up yeah. when actually this session for most of the session the vast majority of the session it was quite often back and forth all the time and that was a good dynamic and I thought actually this is how it should, should go this is what it's meant to be like um, you find it a bit like law you were setting precedence so once someone had decided where certain things should go that became the approach you always took for that sort of challenge yeah, yeah. and it, was, it became the, the way that the players assumed it would be handled so then they looked for ways to make that situation uh, better for them as players as, as characters so they're thinking right if I want to do something like this mm. we've already sort of set the precedent it's going to end up mechanically looking like this so in which case how am I going to do that what skills am I going to use to if that situation arises and it started to make people be a little bit more creative I felt about what their aspects could do and what they could be used for and how they could overcome the challenges cool well I'm glad, you, glad it went well I mean you've run fate enough times I don't think you've had the issues that, that perhaps I've had or other people have had but you're a fan anyway and if you've got a bunch of fans around the table and everyone wants to buy in like with probably every game it's going to go smoother isn't it yeah definitely you know, it was a good, a good, I think it's good for a con I think you can as a new player you can have enough input mechanically mm-hmm. to feel as though you are playing a game sure. and still enjoy the story but you can quite happily ignore some of the finer bits and some of the more subtle bits or not even realise that they're there yeah. but not feel like you're missing out on the system not looking at your sheet thinking oh I've got loads of stuff in here but I never use any of it cool whereas I think Fate's good for that I think you can get really into it and, and crank the hammer on uh, an awful lot of the different aspects and the different parts of your character mm. and get loads out of it and you can just do the basic here's four dice roll them add it to a skill yeah. see what happens and still get quite a lot out of it because it's quick and it's pacing yeah. that's why I like it I think and I had something similar in Icons because one of my players was a nine year old lad and another player was uh, I guess a, a, a young adult teenager guy not had an awful lot of role playing experience and Icons is kind of fate based they had absolutely no trouble being put on the spot and asked what do you do and they weren't searching through feet trees and abilities and modifiers they, they actually instead of looking down at their character sheet they kind of looked up at the ceiling and thought um, and then came up with something that their character would do and it was pretty easy to adjudicate at that point um, arguably in some ways a bit easier than adjudicating some of the more tricksy 13th age abilities that kick in or the Feng Shui modifiers that get passed around the table so in some ways it was easier but there's, there's very little safety net you can't just sort of like lean back on a, on a well we better have a fight because that'll give me half an hour to relax because we can play it in a board gamey style for that amount of time and you know but maybe I can think of some new plot <laughs> I think part of the the problem with fate is if you actually do know all the rules yeah because you almost feel obliged to make sure that anybody who's new to the game sees them all yeah when actually quite a few of the rules are very specific for very specific mm. situations so they're not going to crop up that often mm. and the, the, that kind of core mechanic bit you can play an awful lot of game without venturing too far away from pick a skill do a dice roll and yeah. then see if you want to use an aspect to make it better or re-roll yeah and you can get an awful lot of fun out of just doing that and that's why I think it works well for cons I think you worry and as, as do a lot of people about but when do I use conflicts when do I use challenges yeah, sure. how do I make sure that I'm um, compelling the players in the right way 
uh, at the right time mm. because you know those, those rules are there mm. it's a bit like the kind of small commitment if you don't know they're there, they're there you don't feel sure. too aggrieved about not having used them because you're still getting a decent game Okay. Another interesting situation that's moved away from fight that is the uh, 13th aging Glorantha game I played. Yes. So that's the, this, like, Glorantha still is well known by a lot of people who have conventions, but I've got the hard on for it. Well, you're not. Mixed with 13th age, which is like a sort of semi indie D&D game as well. So we had half the people around the table were Glorantha nerds, for want of a better the files, let's call it, and then the other half wanted to play some 13th age, yeah. with perhaps a bit of Venn diagrams from the middle. So it was a very interesting situation where this one lady sat down and said, What year is it? And the GM kind of looked like, Would oh, you like it to be? I think it's the second age, because it's the second or third, which is like saying, You know, we're playing in kind of like a geological period, I think, one, you know, it's like, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. not the exact year, so she could tell us who the emperor was and all this kind of stuff that's right or what the weather was like in, in that particular place at that time we, we had a decent game between us but it was really weird having people with two different drives like some people wanted our game and wanted to kill some brain in vast numbers and other people wanted to play in that world regardless of what the system was and panicked a bit when they found out it was a new system did they? Did they really? One of them was a bit kind of like the pitch was originally like if you played any kind of DD at all, you have some basic understanding of how this works. Yeah. One was like, I've never played DD. I played it once like years ago, I hated it, and I never looked at it again. So I want to do. You roll a D20, you're trying to get a target number, it's not like, you know. But if you feel that strongly about it, why sign up for a game that says it's like playing DD? It's got Glorantha in the title, and that's yeah. going to be enough, isn't it? And it's a new way of visiting an old fate. It's, um, I mean, but that's 13th age all the way through. Even in standard 13th age, you've got uh, you've got some fairly trad stuff going on, particularly during a battle. And then as soon as you're out of that, it's it's way off into Indish Mindy territory. So I mean, one of the kind of themes that I've got from this weekend is not just in 13th age, but I've seen loads of montage stuff used and flashbacks and let's just go round the table and everybody chuck in a little scene which is used as the glue to put together the kind of the harder plot points quite like it I think it was, I've seen it work really well this weekend where you ask one player to set up a situation for the party and then the next player to provide the solution to it and then a new situation and, and it, it, it put together a really nice chunk in the middle of my 13th age game where it, it occurred to me I kind of don't have to write the middle of adventures anymore I could just have a nice premise the players will take me on the journey towards a climax I've got half planned and as long as I'm listening and taking notes and writing stuff down I'm kind of enjoying listening to the players play the game I don't think anyone showed any resistance to that and I've seen other games with flashbacks we played one this afternoon didn't we for Feng Shui I really enjoyed doing those little flashbacks it was only a couple of minutes but that's, that's about as easy as it gets there was no dice rolls in those parts of the game at all no. did, you, did you get that in any of your other games I've seen loads this weekend I didn't actually um, apart from the kind of initial character introduction yeah. where you can flesh things out a little bit that's almost a little bit of a montage sometimes yeah. isn't it? You're like, yeah, yeah. give us a minute on your character you're not rolling dice are you no not at all but other than that apart from the Feng Shui game where there was what two at least two instances in that four hour session yeah. where you at least three or four of us sort of sequentially did a bit of a montage bit not necessarily carrying on the story but mm. carrying on that exact bit but four separate kind of flashbacks the, the yeah mm. yeah yeah, you were a fan, no, guys? Yeah, yeah, there's no need to front load it, was it? That's what I quite liked about it. Mm. 
There was a little pause in one of them when you were saying, well, you see one-eyed Chenoa, what do you know about him? And only one person came up with something. Mm. But as that discussion then extended between those players, someone else thought something and someone else thought something. And yeah. We even developed this like old childhood for one-eyed Chenoa, like three or four different points of being in his oh, yeah. growing up. Yeah, and Guy had none of that in his notes, did he? <laughs> At all, way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's great. I think that the danger always is certainly at conventions if you throw something and say, okay, players, give me something, the old star, you go, I don't know why. Yeah. What's the answer? Look at the character sheet in case he's on there somewhere. But I found most of this weekend, you're certainly playing 13th agent and stuff, but most people step up in some way. You might have to prop them a little bit or give them, let someone else start. Mm. So they can seem to add something to the story. I think it's really good. Mm. Yeah. No, I've enjoyed that bit, and I think when you think back about games you have played in the past, it's kind of obvious you don't really remember the critical hits, but you do remember One-Eyed Chen. Yeah. And I think, you know, we might not talk about it in that, oh, it wasn't that a brilliant game necessarily, that piece of it, but it was definitely memorable. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes your combat mechanics or your relationship die roll or whatever it is you're doing, that's just a die roll. It's a bit of plastic hitting the table. Mm. It doesn't stick. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, guys, what would, you, what would be the memories you would take away from continuing this year, do you reckon? <laughs> well, it's, it's been that vital three. Yeah, I know. That would be one of the memories I would take away if I could remember what we were doing at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I remember feeling pretty shabby this morning. <laughs> is it a more? Well, I was going to say, is it a more sociable con? That sounds a little bit like other cons aren't sociable. This seems to be a more stop up late and drink beer con than other conventions. Okay. Uh, in a good way yeah I don't think people plan on stopping for drinking I didn't just that, yeah <laughs> a few people bail quite soon but um, there was I think there's just people finish their games and then come to the bar to chat and it's got that facility yeah I think the same sort of thing had happened at Furnace or Seven Hills or those kind of places but the hotel bar shows at 12 mm. and everybody runs out of drinks and then drifts off to bed I've always liked Continuum I mean I've not been to Continuum for what six years for a variety of reasons but yeah. I've always liked Continuum because you do sit down and you dissect your games afterwards and other people People you don't know come and dissect your game and you dissect their games and everyone's having a good laugh having a few drinks and talking games mm. long after you finish your last session yeah so you've played three sessions over the day and then you spend another session in the bar yeah, afterwards effectively last night wasn't it? Yeah, yeah 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 and we're doing it now there's a good chunk between six and eight um where you know you can mull over the day stuff like we're doing now and there's plenty of space to do it in and everyone's just in little groups and it does seem quite chill there's certainly no sense of panic, is there? Except maybe at the sign-up sheets. Yeah, it's been a little light on games mm. this year. Uh, I think arguably the committee could do a little bit more next year to try and chivvy people along. I mean, it's, it's hard because you can put a call out for games, but you might not get many responses. But I think mm. what you've got to do is kind of draw on your wealth experience of people you know and encourage mm. you to play or bring a little bit more, perhaps. Yeah, could be. I mean, they tried the pre-sign-up thing this time. For if you run a game, you've got to pre-sign something else, which is cool, but whereas that works really well at the Sheffield cons I found here it felt a little bit like because they were tight games anyway yeah. it left not enough maybe sometimes there was enough games wasn't there with hindsight I should have put actually put in and run two more games and go pre-sign-ups into the other slots and then that way I've planned my con before I even set foot here which is the right way to do it because that way you're encouraging people to GM and then people are getting in games they want to get in yeah they do have decent encouragement here you know you get a free drink for every yeah. game you run and I'm still owed a couple of the actual Kiri if you're listening you owe me two pints mate <laughs> oh I got one but that's quite a nice little thing you know just to have a little drink for doing it and the pre-sign is nice didn't use mine because I didn't plan on playing too much but I felt reasonably well looked after as a GM and I will remember that the rooms 
are pretty good. Yeah. Nice tables and chairs. It's actually quite comfortable as conventions go. I've not got the killer back that you normally get from sitting in a plastic chair for too long. Um, decent food and drink. It'd be nice to have something a bit better in the evenings, but that's about the facilities, isn't it, rather than the convention. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you know plenty of coffee, plenty of water, rooms all good. I mean, I'd recommend it. I'm definitely coming back in a couple of years. It's a good venue. It yeah. is a good venue for a summer con. You've got lots of open air bits if the weather's nice like it is today. Yeah. You've got lots of space. And it's Smack all, bang in the middle of the UK. Yeah, it's, some, a good, you know. it's a good position. It's good. Okay, cool. Uh, and games-wise, I've, I've been re-innovated. I'm going into a 13th age campaign in the next month back at home, and I've got a couple of sessions under my belt, and I want to play it even more, so that's, that's pretty good. Um, and plenty of fodder for future Smart Party podcasts, I reckon, off some of the discussions we've had this weekend. If we can remember them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good job we weren't recording everything that God said. Especially last night. Okay. Alright, well, listen, cool. Guys, you've got a game to get to in 10 minutes, and I'm going to hit the road and get home. So, uh, what are you playing tonight? Pendragon. Ah, oh, okay, right. Now, that's come up on this podcast a few times, right? Yes. Yeah. Are you running it? I'm not, no, I'm playing in it. For wow. Sure. You, First time in years. Yeah, you never play in it. So, it should be good. So, we'll be marking them down and um, making sure they're doing it right. And <laughs> yeah. written, yeah. Unless it's to my advantage, in which case I won't tell them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, well, listen, have a good time at Pendragon. Um, and for anyone who's listening if you were at Continuum I hope we bumped into each other and, and had a good game because I met loads of really cool people this week who I didn't know before yeah and it was really nice to hear from one or two people saying like you know they listen to the podcast and enjoy it so thanks for that guys good yeah, to meet you definitely definitely it's, it's incredibly gratifying to have a stranger tell you they listen to the random words that you type into the radio every week it's very odd but I really appreciate meeting up with you fellas so um, that's it from our outside broadcast today if you can hear a bit of traffic in the background or people having fun that's because that's where we're at kids on scooters as well kids on scooters they don't all play Pokemon all day mate that's your job I know okay alright well we'll see you next time when we're back in our little sheds recording the way we normally do and until then uh, that's what the smart party would do ciao for now (laughs) 